Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. They say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm Catherine Ryan, and here we draw on my conversations with experts on Nine to Noon to help you navigate family life. Growing and developing young adults with grit and heart who can handle real-world pressures has been the focus for family coach Yvonne Godfrey for the past decade. She's a coach, author, speaker and founder of Miomo, a four-day independence program to equip over-16s for adult life. Yvonne's well-known in the Auckland area for her talks to college audiences. She's now on a 13-stop campervan tour from Invercargill to Cambridge, along with her husband Simon, speaking to schools and public meetings. She says many young people lack confidence and independence, and parents need help on how to equip their kids to thrive on their own once they've left the nest. Yvonne's in the Christchurch studio. Good morning. Good morning, Catherine. It's a good old-fashioned way to get out and see the country. <laughs> what a great way to combine lifestyle and your passion, hey? You're calling this the Stronger Families Tour. What's the chink in the armour that you're identifying? Mm. I am seeing a lot of families struggling. The strapline for the tour is helping families thrive, not just survive. And what I'm seeing is uh, families struggling because mum and dad are worn out. Uh, kids feel insecure. Uh, home is not necessarily the happy place to come to when you come out from the, you know, in, in from the cold of what's going on in the world. So I really want to just help them with what I've seen over the last ten years and working with uh, hundreds and hundreds of young people and families, is to say what can we do to equip our families to do it better. Let's make family life happier and more workable. Well, is it the family dynamics themselves that are at the heart of this, or is it the changing pressures on young people? I think both, yeah, I think both. There's so much change going on. And, of course, the the more change, the more insecurity, if you like, uh, the more unpredictability. But I say that that brings more opportunity too. However, a lot of parents uh, will translate what's going on right now, the outside pressures, into a fearful stance in their parenting. They're translating that fear and insecurity into their children. They're not meaning to, but they are. They're projecting, in other words. They're projecting. So in what ways does this manifest? Does it it go all the way back, perhaps when the kids were younger, to whether or not you get to cycle to school or walk to school? Is it more surrounding technology? How is it manifesting? Yes, and all of those things, as well as parents feeling that their job is to make their their kids happy and to minimise their problems. Uh, you know, you've heard the helicopter parenting styles and all of those that are similar. But the bottom line is that they're, they're trying to pave the way for their kids. And you can understand why. We don't want our kids to go through undue stress. But the reality is the world is requiring us to become much more resilient, much more in charge of our own emotions. So we've got to help our kids to manage what's going on in their world and not try to prevent them from dealing with it. Well, you talk about parents being focused on making their children happy. Presumably we don't want to overtly make them unhappy, but as your point is, your point is that there are a lot of other priorities uh, and nice if the happiness happens, but actually you don't spend the day just doing things 
at every whim. That's right. You, you what, don't become what, what are the proper alongside not having an unhappy child, but alongside having a healthy, developing child, learning what they need to learn and building the characteristics they need. What are the priorities, particularly at that stage of life? Uh, certainly, when I, when we talk about we don't want to make the be responsible for making the kids happy. That, that's what I'm meaning. We want our children to be happy, but each person is responsible for the way they think, the way they deal with situations. So our responsibility as parents is to equip them, is to make sure... Well, in the home, I'd say that the stakes are low and it's a safe place to land. So why don't we start there by helping our children to be part of the process of running the home? Whatever we contribute to, we feel a sense of ownership and therefore pride, which translates into confidence, which, by the way, if when I'm asked what is the number one problem with youth today, I would say it is that lack of confidence, that lack of ability to be proactive and disrupt their stuff. Uh, so that's that's what we've got to bring into the into family life. It's a practice field. From 13 to 18, it's like an apprenticeship for the adult world. And keep going with what that means in the house, participating in household responsibilities, I think yeah. you're alluding to there. Yeah. But is it also things like taking responsibility for organising your SWAT? Oh, uh, I know we, 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 we hear this often from school leaders. They've got parents turning up. Uh, oh. Not just once a year for a for a parent teacher meeting, but but turning up and basically trying to organise every step of the child's Absolutely. educational and, process, and, and and you've got to learn that actually you're the one who needs to get in charge of that. And you've got the best technology in the world to help you do that. There's no need to create your brain as a filing cabinet to remember everything. You decide what you need to do. You put all your chores, all your commitments into your phone, not just the events. And then uh, if they're to be repeated, repeat them, like changing the sheets on your bed. There's an idea every uh, week or fortnight. Put it into your phone and then put an alert so that it goes off. It sounds, okay, I've got 30 minutes to get my tail into gear to, to do my chores or whatever it is to do. So that they learn that they don't need prompting from everywhere. Because in reality, they're, at school, they're a very big fish in a small pond. Then they leave. Then they potentially go to another town or another city for study. And this creates absolute chaos because it's a different way of living, completely different city, different people, different friends, different environment, different study. I mean, at school, they're ticking the role, and at university, they don't care if you turn up. They've got your money. So you have to completely get your head around the fact that um, home and being outside of the home are two completely different environments. So we do our kids no favour if we don't teach them. I don't think... Our as parents, we're teaching enough, teaching this is how you actually do it, and then expecting them to do it, and then stop the nagging. <laughs> Just get on with it. Just expect people to step up and measure up and grow up. And I think by over, overly protecting them constantly and the nagging and the reminding, all we're doing is saying, I still believe you're a child. And I just think we want to change that relationship from parent-child to parent to young adult as fast as we face, can. How do you face that out, though? Because there's got to be an element of nagging or there can be consequences to that as well. I mean, there, let's, let's not call it nagging. Let's call it persistence as part yeah. of the Persistent teaching. Persistent reminding. Persistent yeah. reminding. How and when do you phase that out and say, right, on this occasion, I'm just going to let you fall flat on your face, even exactly. though there is a consequence. But, but, how, but how do you do that? Because you also don't want you, – you're, you're also there to provide those boundaries and definitely. to reinforce that you have got to learn to do these things. Yeah, and definitely. So but that's there's, why a, we've got there's, a, there's a level of persistence that then has to reduce. And how? Yes, yes. Well, 
that's why we have to teach properly. But secondly, we have to be able to understand the capacity of each child. Even though we'll have principles, and I'm very much, I teach principles. When I spoke last night in Christchurch, it was to a, mostly parents of teens, but right across the board. And I've been speaking to parents of two-year-olds saying, let's learn the principle. Then let's develop a strategy for each child that works the principle. Because each child is different. So it's not a cookie-cutter method. Uh, you do have to be a little bit mindful of the fact that this child takes longer to learn, this child takes longer to grasp concepts, this child takes longer to step out and be independent. But having said that, you have to have a very clear idea that you as the influencer, we don't need more rules, by the way, we need more influence from parents, so that your child has confidence in you that what you're asking them to do can be done and then you've got to outlay it. So I'm going to uh, remind you of this one more time, Thomas. And then after that, buddy, you're on your own. So if you forget your homework, if you forget your lunch, you'll go hungry today. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But at some stage, you do have to step off the precipice and say, well, whatever will be, will be. Now, we're not talking about dangerous situations. We're talking about just learning life. Obviously, in dangerous situations, you will step in. Nobody wants a fatality or a major injury. Uh, but you know what I mean? We've got to have the confidence as parents that our kids are much more capable than we think. I was running a home at 12. I didn't have a mum from the age of 10. And I was living independently, completely 100% financially supporting myself at 16. And that's why I have such great expectations of young people, because I've done it. I've lived it. And I expected my girls, who are now 38 and 34, to do it. And they did too. We'll come back to the practical and to the emotional, which I want to get to in a moment, because I think yes. the latter is even a bigger issue possibly at the moment. But then there are children and young people for whom there is a reason to that reticence or that reluctance or the dragging the heels. And do you need to be on to that? If the reason you've got one child who gets onto it pretty quickly, manages themselves, doesn't forget stuff, gets to where they need to be, and another who doesn't, yeah. sometimes you need to scratch the surface to say, what's going on here? Why is there a resistance to this? Totally. Some children just absolutely loathe school. I was talking to one uh, parent last night and her child is ADHD to the max and that and dyslexic. And that poor little kid is just miserable. He's in year eight. Um, so that's one reason. It could be just the distractions. Let's get rid of these uh, uh, devices in the morning. I had one 11-year-old who was gathering up all her friends from around the town and they meet at her place at 8am in the morning and then she takes the posse to school, which sounded fabulous and she's a leader. But um, then her mother said, yes, but between 7 and 8 in the morning, she's receiving or sending no less than 20 texts to organise them all. They've got FOMO at 11. They want to know exactly what went on last night before they get to school so they're up with the gossip. And so we, we came down to, okay, she's not getting ready for school in time. She's stressed out. Let's make sure she doesn't get her phone till she's walking out the door. I mean, that is a simple process of just saying, what is getting in your way? Or what don't you know and need to learn? Or what are you fearful of? And let's tackle that. And particularly if it is a child for whom school is not a place they want to be. This is where I'm saying... you. you let's not call it nagging, let's call it influencing. Yes, You yes. can't afford to cut the cord too soon or they're no. not going to get to where they need to get. So you might have a different strategy or you might be at them over some things and, and making them more independent in other things. Absolutely. It needs to be personalised. Absolutely. Can we talk, Absolutely. Can we talk about the emotional side of this as well because there is such concern and we are seeing it coming through in statistics. Again, you're hearing this from universities and from others. You're hearing it from school principals. A genuine problem with anxiety in so many of our high school, early university age kids. Mm, mm. 
to what extent is this a likely result of that always-on and always-judged environment they've grown up with? And to what extent is it something parents need to confront in their own behaviour by encouraging that emotional resilience as well as the practical practical independence? Yes, well, it starts at home, of course, and we've got little children anxious from preschoolers, which is a real concern. Uh, but once again, I think we have to be very mindful of each child's capacity and so that they, they take on what they can Uh, They don't take on more than they can commit to because part of feeling good about yourself is finishing the job, for example, getting it done, being able to manage what you commit to, what you say to, what you're involved in. Um, And and I'm I'm constantly getting questions, how many activities should my children be doing after school? And I don't have a blanket answer for that. It goes to what can they manage? What can you afford? How much running around are you prepared to do? Because a lot of this anxiety, of course, is uh, flows between the parent and the child to and fro. Uh, because if, we, if the child's taking on too much, this usually means the parent is having to take on too much as well. So learning self-discipline, we finish what we start. And also self-control, which is holding back from what we shouldn't do. That is a, that is a real tension there between the two, but we need to learn both. Uh, obviously, I believe that uh, technology is working against us when it comes to anxiety. I say to the kids, stop minding everybody else's business. They know everything about everybody. You don't have to, you don't, Catherine, you don't have to wear a patch to be in a gang. Do you know what I'm saying here? Yeah. I mean, honestly, they are forming groups online. They're forming uh, groups where they're fighting against each other, meddling, solving each other's problems and so on. Now, this is just one facet. Anxiety and depression are mammoth. But we've got to look at each child and say, you know, what could it be for you? Could it be, for example, a secret? When I work with young people and they're, they're troubled, they're, they're, they're unhappy, I try to find a way to get to the secret. Tell me your secret. They don't have to say what it is, but I want to know if they've got one, something that they've done or that's been done to them, for example. And those poor little kids, and I say little kids even up into the late teens, are carrying these things and they don't know how to be free of them. How do we help them with emotions that feelings, particularly at this age, are strong, really strong. Yes, they are. That many of them may feel negative um, for, for the first time because they're experiencing kinds of rejection or, mm. um, you know, the, the hormones are going nuts. How do we help them again without taking over? Understand what feelings are and how you learn to work with them, mm. work through mm. them. You've definitely got to acknowledge and validate feelings. They are what they are. Just because you say they shouldn't have them doesn't mean to say they don't. They absolutely do have them. And in dealing a lot with anger, I'm getting a lot of parents telling me that they're boys particularly, they're so angry. And some girls are really, really angry. And understanding that anger is a secondary emotion, for example. Prior, prior to anger, we're usually feeling frustration or fear. That fear comes from rejection you mentioned, fear that I won't have friends, uh, the frustration that I can't accept futility, which is what frustration is. And when we can't, we can't see something working out, we can become so frustrated that it just explodes in anger because Managing we're all running. Managing stress is yeah, a big absolutely. one for these kids. Absolutely, absolutely. The, the stress is piling up in yeah. their lives. Yeah. And as you've just touched on it, it's the primary experience, and then it. It, it, it presents as outbursts, yes, right? Yes, yes, it does. So again, how are you helping navigate them, understand that this stuff is normal, not always pleasant, but normal, no, no. and we have to learn uh, to yes. wait it out sometimes or to do things to help ourselves feel better? 
wait it out and often to reflect on what that feeling means because, uh, for example, if you've uh, got an outburst of anger, it's, it's pointless saying to a boy, well, why did you do that? Or a girl, why did you do that? Why did you do that angry deed? I don't know why they did it, but if you ask them, what were you feeling at the time, love? What were you feeling just before that? They can often say, you know, I was feeling really frustrated or, or I was feeling left out or I was feeling this or I was feeling that. And usually that's a pattern. We, the way we think is a pattern. We think the same way pretty much all the time. So we have we have spirals too. And so if you can help a child to say, you know, when you, you started to get that self-talk going on, see, all of this is preceded by self-talk. We're talking to ourselves. What were you saying to yourself? And they, they recognise it and say, next time you're feeling that, let's do this or that. Or the let's, physical let's, surge yeah, of, of that yeah, sudden the physical, anger the as physical, well, the red well, the phys- rag. Well, the red rag, the physical surge, remember, comes after the self-talk. It's after what went on in your head to define if this was a was was it a, an appropriate place to have an outburst. We don't consciously think that. We subconsciously think it. But it doesn't take long to train yourself to go, ah, when that happens, I tend to ABC. You see, at the heart of this, and I think you, you used the word confidence earlier. To me, confidence comes with a sense of competence. Yes. Because the classic, at a very deep existential level, the, the, the whole challenge of this stage of life is, am I an all right person? Yeah. And you haven't been around long enough to navigate that no, and, no. And, and to have come through things and, and, to, and to say, yes, things happen, but, but am I an all right person? So you're trying to work out that fundamentally and existentially. Um, and then there's just, am I a competent person? Mm, and, mm. and you're trying to build, and this is what you were saying earlier, all those practical things you do that they succeed in and do okay for themselves is about building competence from which comes, from, from whence comes um, the confidence. And That's this, right. Does this go back to your message that if you do everything, they're missing out on building those building blocks of, okay, I can do this, I've done it, and then maybe that means I can reach out and try and do that thing. Absolutely. And and that is and the thing they do is they compare themselves with other people too. And that's not a good thing to do because you either become arrogant or you have this terrible sense of failure. But that's right. The competence is learned at home. And when you as a parent are validating your children for what they do well is just part of living. See, I think transferable skills are so much more important than particular industry acumen, which young people don't have much of anyway. So, for example, when they uh, build their CVs, when they come on the Miomo program, we get them a professional CV. And I'm interested in things like the volunteer work they've done. (laughs) What have they done off their own bat that has created tremendous confidence because they can relate to people? This is the number one skill, of course, is to be able to relate relate to people. Uh, But we're looking for what makes them a whole person. If, If the employer is not looking for particular skills in a young person, they're looking for, can you fit into my team? And can you fit into my team at work is just an extension of, did you fit into the team at home? Were you able to be a team player in an environment that had shared working and living spaces? Well, it also the includes key. the fact that, that you'll learn things and you'll get some things wrong and you'll make mistakes and you've got to learn to live with that as well. There's the other point here, I'm thinking back to Carol Dweck's work that forever sticks in my mind when we are trying to build this sense of confidence and competence and resilience. Praise praise the way they do things rather than saying you're brilliant at this or you're brilliant at that. Yes. In other words, the reinforcement is towards the action undertaken or the initiative undertaken. You don't personalise it. Yes. Because that's when, if they don't get the praise, they think, you know, the 
they think there's something wrong with me. And, and it's actually about praising um, the effort, as we said, the initiative or, or the attempt. Yes. Just finish with the Miomo then. It's a four-day program. It's pretty full-on. What, what, what do you run through? We run through all the things that they're going to need to live. Uh, independence, we assess their level of independence and explain what it's going to mean to go out into the adult world. How to live optimally with their parents, uh, which means going from that parent-child relationship to, to becoming an, a young adult and sharing, becoming a flatmate almost. Goal achievement, time, space and energy, money mastery, presentation skills, both verbally and written. Uh, relationship building, conflict resolution, work ready, which includes a first class CV and interview skills and building their character because my whole thing is around raising up a generation that is competitive with good character. I'm and that's what happens yeah. on those four days. I'm it's, left it's thinking, though, like it all makes sense, but I'm just left thinking still about whether a fundamental point that we've got to get to grips with right now is just how much is loaded on to these kids full stop. And, mm, you mm. know, uh, they just don't get the breathing space that generations pre the electronic stuff, and but also, but I think you know you've got the high schools now saying maybe we just are completely over testing and over assessing. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they they are they are saying that. I mean, the whole education system is being looked at with a critical eye right now. But you know, I see. I was just with this family with seven children, and you know, the father uh, said to me, "I don't reckon my kids are getting enough homework. I don't think they're learning enough at." At school, they're going on trips left, right and centre and they're not actually doing enough. And he said, my eldest son is bored and he's got him uh, learning the stock market and doing all sorts of things, which, of course, is wonderful for his uh, financial literacy. So there's, in some families, it's chaotic and in others, it's not. And in some families, I think the chaos is self-generated. And I know that sounds a bit hard, but really... um, We've got to help our kids get better organised, spend less time wasted gaming and so on. We, we got too, we, How many kids have we got addicted to gaming? Now, how do you get addicted? Massive hours. Where do you find the hours to do that? Um, so that's in a whole other argument, really, isn't it? All right, another time. Thanks very much, <laughs> family coach Yvonne Godfrey. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.